1: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's
2: number one and most listened to sports station. Six Seventy The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is the Score. WSCR and HD Chicago.
1: WBMX HD Two Chicago. Always
2: live on the free Odyssey app.
0: The Score. score. <laughs>
2: Hit and Run
1: Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. Bottom three against Kopech starting with Ezekiel Duran first pitch swing and he gets a hold of one deep right center and it's gone and it's one to nothing Texas just trying to keep this game within shouting distance and that is a lot of trouble. it scores Seager is in. It's a three run double for Garcia. It's seven to nothing. Taylor Hearn ready. And that's the ball game. Four strikeouts for Hearn over his two innings. But the man of the night was Dane Dunning. Yeah, I mean, this is the
3: best game by far he's thrown this year and probably in many a year. Seven innings, no runs,
4: just one hit.
0: And the old one from Lopez. There's a liner down the line and left. That ball is going to be in there for a base hit. Half around third. Here comes the throw by Burdick to the plate. Not in time. Racing to second safely as Horner. Cubs lead one to nothing. And the 0-2 by Leiter. High pop fly. This is going to end the game. Suzuki and Wright calling. Squeezing. And the Cubs win the ball game four to nothing. It's time for Hit and Run
1: with your host, Matt Spiegel.
2: Sing it with me now. Ah, ah. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, baseball people. I am one of you. We are together on a Sunday morning. Hope all is well in your world. Uh, the season, whoo, it's long, isn't it? Baseball, the companion sport, refuses to let you go. And you, if you love it, refuse to let it go. Things will be tugging at you like, I don't know, football training camps. Um, broilingly hot 90-plus degree days that make you want to go watch a movie and air conditioning. Uh, the annoyance and frustration of systemic, consistent problems with a team that's supposed to win their division and challenge for a World Series that rear its head every single week and force us to discuss it, and we will get to that. And a post-deadline situation on the north side that becomes room for experimentation with players, with managers, And everybody talking about all aspects of the aforementioned. We will get to all of it. Um, Jed Hoyer might have given us a little preview of the offseason on Friday. We will discuss. uh, The White Sox lose two out of three in Texas. We will discuss with another one coming today. The deadline is coming gone. And the real teams, the real contenders out there are getting dominance from Max Scherzer. Uh, Crazy excitement from a Padres lineup that soon will have Tatis and Machado and Soto all in it together. And the Dodgers reminding you that they are the Dodgers. Oh, by the way, San Diego, nice job at the deadline, but we are us, as you know. Uh, You know, there's good, interesting stuff all over the game, all over the league. And some of that on occasion is here. A little later on in the hour, we will talk about the player in town having the best season in town. And you'll hear from him and you'll hear people who know him talking about him. That'll be later on in the hour. Top of the 10 o'clock hour, one of my favorite things I get to do on this show. Colin Faulkner, the um, the marketing boss for the Chicago Cubs. I always mess up his title, so now I didn't even give it to you directly. Sean Sears, would you look up Colin Faulkner's exact title for me, please? And Brooks Boyer, the marketing boss for the White Sox. Would you look up his exact title for me? I want to say it correctly. I know who they are. You should know who they are, and I'm sure you do. Um, But I love that they are friends, and they're good guys, and uh, we will have them on together. We did it, what, two or three years ago, just before the pandemic, so maybe it was 2019, had them in studio together. Today we'll be on the phone but uh, very much looking forward to those guys. And part of the inspiration for doing that is that last year, Brooks Boyer and the White Sox enjoyed the Field of Dreams, the corn game in uh, in Iowa. And next week, the Cubs and Colin Faulkner can enjoy the corn game in Iowa. So that'll be among the things we discuss. But also just the ballpark experiences in this town. Two very different experiences, as we know, as we discuss, as you have lived for a long time in your baseball lives we'll talk about it with Colin and Brooks. Official titles please, Mr.
3: Sears. Sure. So Colin Faulkner is the executive vice president of sales and marketing for the Cubs and the chief commercial officer for uh, them. Okay. So yeah, pretty That's, big deal. It's a lot of st- <laughs> it's a lot of names. Uh and then Brooks Boyer yeah. is the senior vice president of sales and marketing for the White Sox.
2: Okay, there we go. All right. If, if both they're both very big deals.
3: Yeah, but I've heard they're a big deal.
2: Oh, just ask him. Just ask both of them. They'll yeah. tell you. Uh, it, who's a bigger deal? Is it Colin or is it Brooks? We will discuss. Um, later on, Kylie McDaniel from ESPN, who's terrific, writing about um, prospects and writing about future value, which, of course, is the book he co-wrote along with Eric Longenhagen from Fangraphs about um, scouting, about development. He will talk to us. Looking forward to that. And I know, Sean, you're looking forward to that because, Kylie, we should talk to him about the prospects that the Cubs picked up in their trades. And we should talk to him about the prospects that the White Sox held on to in their non-trades. So we will do both of those things around 1120. And uh, hopefully our guy, Chris Kampka, the man who ties the room together in the final hour of the show. Along the way, your phone call is not merely welcome, but elemental to the very completion of the broadcast at 312-644-6767. You can text as well. At 312-644-6767. Before we get to the Cubs and the Sox on the big league level, I had, I've had a great baseball weekend. On Friday, um, lucky enough, as they do every once in a while, to do pregame and postgame and the fifth inning of play-by-play for the Cubs and the Marlins in the radio booth. And a couple things. One, watching Edward Cabrera big time arm for the Marlins is kind of like watching Pablo Lopez who pitched yesterday and kind of like watching Sandy Alcantara who's their ace and probably going to win the National League Cy Young and it's kind of like watching Sixto Sanchez from a couple years ago before he got hurt and it's kind of like watching eight or nine other great pitchers in the Marlins system because they have unlocked the power changeup. Dudes throwing changeups anywhere between 88 and and 94 miles an hour with a circle change grip. This was Cabrera on Friday and some with Lopez yesterday. Not as hard, but the concept is the same. And it's it's held like a changeup, so they call it a changeup, but it moves kind of like a two-seam fastball, but it's not that different in velocity from their four-seam fastball. But that thing moves differently, as you know, that thing kind of rises. It carries. So seeing that up close and talking to the Marlins broadcasters about it. And it's the Marlins are a terrible baseball team right now. Terrible. And organizationally, they don't know what the hell they're doing with hitters. They really don't. But pitching? They know that. They are churning out starting pitchers. They are finding big power arms, teaching them a change up. And then doing it from there. And uh, that's a really interesting thing to watch up close and to talk about with those people around the press box. Um, then on Friday night, I realized, as my nephew, who I think you've heard on the show before, Jack McMullen, was calling a game for the Indianapolis Indians triple A team down in Indy. He's the play-by-play voice, one of the play-by-play voices of the Indians. Um, I realized that me and, and my wife had been talking about going down there and hadn't, and so we got in the car and because there was a game last night. So we got in the car on Friday night, and I'm in the passenger seat watching and listening to the nephew do play-by-play for a AAA game, Indy Indians against the Louisville Bats, that's the Pirates and Reds AAA team, listening to that on the way down on Friday night in the car, and last night had the opportunity to go to that game. In that little stadium. I, it, I'm sure there's some of you who have been there. I think they opened in 2000. Just a great ballpark. And yesterday, during the day, watched Cubs and Marlins in the afternoon at the hotel in the lobby in the bar area. Um, I, I, I watched the White Sox and the Rangers, I will admit to you now, in condensed form in the car this morning driving home from Indianapolis. I have plenty of thoughts about it and have thoughts about the White Sox and, the, and their horrific offense, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, man, last night enjoying a AAA game, learning about AAA players and hanging out with the play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Indians, Howard Kelman, who has done it for 46 years. And walk, wow. walking around that ballpark and all the suites and all the sections, there's pictures of everybody. Howard Kellman has seen come through there the likes of Randy Johnson and, and all the way back to, to Ken Griffey Sr. Um, and, you know, so many incredible prospects that he has seen come through when it was the Expos AAA. And, and now it's the Pirates. But it has been so many others. And there's pictures. Paul Konerko played there when it was in the Reds system as he came up Um, with the Reds, did Canerco. So it it just a great stadium, and I learned a lot from Howard Kelman. He had me in for the second inning. I was sitting there in the booth with him, doing doing a second inning of a TV game last night. Just fabulous. And uh, uh, there's more to talk about with that. But baseball is more than just the White Sox frustrations and Cubs frustrations and the machinations of what we're going to do. And my weekend was full of it. This morning, driving back, Listen to the first couple episodes of the Wesley podcast. That is about Lyman Bostock, the great Minnesota Twins and California Angels hitter in the 70s who was murdered. He's the only ball player in the 150-year history of baseball who was murdered during the season. It happened right here in Gary, Indiana in 1978. And I've always been curious about that story, didn't know a lot about it. The podcast is called Wesley Tom Rinaldi is uh, the man doing it, and it's a pretty good listen a couple episodes in. So just baseball everywhere, rolling around, and not just Cubs and Sox. In my particular weekend, reminding you that, uh, that the game, the sport, is bigger than uh, just what we see in the micro in front of us. But now back to that micro. Phone lines are open. This hour will be your best chance to get in and talk if you want to talk. The White Sox had won 7 of 9. Remember? They had won 12 of 18. This was it. Man, man. Seven of nine, they had the band back together. They went into Thursday night with Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, Ilo Jimenez, Tim Anderson, Yuan Moncada, and Yasmani Grandal, all there together. Remember? All there were together for the first time all season. Twenty-five and eleven is the record for that team when all those guys are in the lineup together since twenty twenty. Here we go. And they dropped two of three in Texas. Remember the 19 game stretch against division opponents that was supposed to define the season? They went 10 and 9 in that stretch because they're mediocre. And now they're in the middle of a 19 game stretch against bad teams, teams under 500. This is time to eat, people. Here we go. They're 6 and 5 so far in that 19 game stretch. You know why? Because they are mediocre. The White Sox are living, breathing mediocrity. You see it when they lose the first two games of a series, then win the next two and split it. You see it when they win the first game of a series, then lose a couple. It's it's so unbelievably frustrating to them, too. Jose Abreu said through the interpreter, Billy Russo, last night, that has been the way that we've been playing the whole season, one step ahead and then two steps back, back and forth. We just have to keep grinding and find a way to move forward, period. Abreu also made a comment, which we can get to later on, about the intensity. I have it here, actually. Abreu was asked if the intensity and the focus for the team is where it needs to be, and he said through Billy Russo, quote, the only thing that I can control is just trying every day to do my best and bring the best to the organization. That's one thing I can control. I don't have control over other things than that. Is that him talking about his teammates not bringing enough? You could possibly say that. He's been very careful not to say anything like that. If you're going to guess that he's frustrated with his teammates' focus and intensity, feel free. That is a venerable, absolute stud of a veteran ball player who knows how to get himself ready, knows how to produce knows when the swing is out of whack that he has to take his time and get the contact back and then the power will come and it has he has hit august doing what he usually does but even his bat now is quiet but that guy gets ready does his thing and by the way plays pretty damn good defense over at first base every once in a while he'll make a Make an error, a sloppy error. But, man, did you see that play he made last night? Running back to catch that foul pop-up. He's so good on those. Made another one later. They made it look easy. It was just a little basket catch. But Abreu, as we know, is not the problem. The rest of the offense seems to be the problem right now. Offense making bad pitchers look great. Dane Dunning was winless through a stretch of 15 outings. An 0-5 record dating back to the 8th of May. He had some decent starts in there. But he had not won since beating the Braves on the 30th of April. Seven dominant shutout innings for Dane Dunning last night against these White Sox. So many frustrating players. So many frustrating bats. And I know a lot of uh, anger and and disdain out there about Yasmani Grandal and about his place in the lineup, and I want to hear from you guys. I just, they they just are what they are by now. They don't play clean enough to win when they don't bash the ball out of the park. And when they do bash the ball out of the park, it covers up the fact that they don't play clean. Because that ain't changing. Not this year, anyway. There was a moment last week. It happened in... um in one of the games when when Tim Anderson decided to tag up from second to third when another runner was also tagging up from third and that runner scored, but TA got thrown out at third. And it, it was it was what what are you doing? Who's telling you to do that? And I'm, you know, thought about tweeting it and could have talked about it the next day on Parkinson's and Spiegel and talked about, hey, guess what? You've got uh got third base coaches and first base coaches who are responsible for helping these guys, you know, make good decisions out there and training them. And a whole, at a manager who's a hall of famer, and these guys are supposed to know what they do and who the hell told him to do that. And why did he tell him? And I could have talked about all that, but on the next at bat, Jose Abreu hit a two run homer and it doesn't matter when you do that, it covers it up. It covers up the slop. It was, that was your living, breathing example of what happens when you hit enough home runs, when you mash enough. But right now, they are not mashing again. And you thought maybe there was a moment. I, I, I got to tell you, I thought maybe that was, that was, hmm. <sighs> A very dispiriting few games offensively. We'll talk about it with you at three one two 67 I'll get to some Cubs thoughts in the next segment. As I mentioned, Jed Hoyer gave a little window into the uh into the offseason. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Colin Faulkner and Brooks Boyer are coming up at 10 o'clock. But if you want to hop in and talk about the frustrating White Sox, who are no longer even the choice by fan to win the division, even The clinical numbers that look at the talent and just do the math, even they can no longer say that the White Sox ought to win this division. So anecdotally, it's gone. Mathematically, it's gone. But it's not gone in the standings because the Twins and the Guardians uh, don't look like they're going to run away. Maybe the Twins will. I think the twins are gonna win the division, but we will see. We will talk about it. Some cubs thoughts coming next segment as well. Keep it right here. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on the Score.
0: The premier T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours
1: Baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel.
0: Curveball strike three called backdoor bender. Beautiful pitch by Drew Smiley. He gets his first strike out of the day. Cortez swings and misses strike three. Smiley has set down 11 in a row. Drew Smiley
2: was terrific yesterday. We also have, from that game, David Ross on Drew Smiley and P.J. Higgins working very well together.
0: Yeah, that was, that was a really nice pitching performance. I mean, um, Drew was really good. It looked like he was pitching completely different today. A lot of a lot of stuff away. Um, the breaking ball, mixing that in, obviously, but really aggressive. I mean, late that last inning, he was 94 multiple times. If you look up there, 93. Uh, had a lot in the tank, but uh, I thought he used both sides of the plate really well. Him and Higgy did a really nice job, um, kept those guys, um, you know, obviously shutting it down, but I, th- I thought the, you know, the play of the game felt like it swung, that that base hit to right and the throw from Sayo was, you know, kind of swung some momentum our way, got us going. Uh, I thought it was a phenomenal tag by Higgy, just like you're taught, you know, that's a you know, on that short hop and getting that glove back to the corner of the plate. That's how you a catcher, and he did a textbook. That was really, really nice uh, catch and throw there from those two guys.
2: That's pretty cool. That's David Ross on the entirety of the game. There was some offense to talk about, but that play from Suzuki to Higgins was great stuff. Drew Smiley is a worthy big league starter with legit stuff and some veteran wisdom, hitting 94-95 in the seventh inning yesterday. And as he dominates there, I'm wondering, you know, I, I wonder if he's thinking, I know I was thinking, I'm sure Jed Hoyer was thinking, God, maybe this should have been happening for a playoff contender right now with the Cubs having grabbed a young promising pitcher or two at the deadline. And Smiley talked about it after the game, said he was actually relieved to not be traded and he just had his third child and, you know, maybe he wants to be here and just have kind of a stable season, and I get it. But what might have been, man, Wade Miley and Drew Smiley were very sensible sign-and-flip investments that did not pay off. For health reasons, what if Miley and Smiley were healthy all year or even just for like six weeks leading up to the deadline? They would have gotten a lot for maybe both of those guys Um, and certainly just, you know, prospects to fill out and deepen an already vast system would have been a, a good thing. And they might have actually been using those guys to win some games and then maybe things might have changed conversationally a little But now you can use them uh, to win some games and make your draft position worse. So, at least there's that. That's a win.
3: Right. It's frustrating because, like, you can see the makings of a decent Cubs team with that rotation. if Those guys stay healthy, right?
2: Stroman has been so good since he came back. If Stroman, Smiley, and Miley were all healthy, then who knows? Keegan Thompson wouldn't have been getting all the chances that he's gotten to learn what he's he's done. And then who knows what would have happened in Hendricks' year. It probably would have been the same. But, like... Yeah, you can see the makings of a decent rotation, and it'll be interesting to see if they want to try and keep any of those guys. Um, one other thing about the Cubs before I get to some phone calls and some White Sox frustration, which is certainly out there, Ian Happ has turned himself into an excellent left fielder. Sidewall yesterday. That's a very tough play in the corners at Wrigley. You've got to be confident and know your surroundings very well, and he made it comfortably. And then hit the wall and, and went down. And then the home run he robbed in St. Louis in front of a weird angle fence at Bush Stadium. He has learned his surroundings every left field he plays. And just I, I'm glad they did not trade Ian Happ. Me too. I, I, I do believe that is a guy you should have extensive conversation with as an extend candidate. You hope he doesn't price himself out of being able to stay and end up getting dealt in the offseason or at the deadline, but at least, man, have those long-form conversations. This is a switch hitter who now knows how to do it from both sides of the plate and really has turned himself into an excellent outfielder. Um, So I I hope they find a way. I now officially hope they find a way to keep um, Ian Happ. He's eliminating holes in his game, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He works systemically to do that, and that is is what a professional – Ball players should do okay what do I struggle at let me work hard at that and you know when you find guys who work that way um, it, it can they can be very very valuable 312-644-6767 is the number um, if you want to hop in on Cubs stuff you're certainly welcome to do so but certainly a lot of White Sox frustration out there and a couple calls bit of news first Lennon Sosa Lennon Sosa has been called back up to the big leagues by the White Sox the lefty Tanner Banks goes to Charlotte. You wonder if this is in part to do with the uh, the appeal from Tim Anderson on his three-game suspension that could be coming, and maybe Lennon Sosa is here to help with some of that, or are they looking for an offensive spark from Lennon Sosa? I thought that was the case last time, and then he basically rode the pine and was of almost no value in what seemed – like a moment of disconnect between the front office and Tony La Russa. Imagine that. But uh, now we'll see. Lennon Sosa's back. I'll tell you this much. Tim Anderson has been terrible. Terrible! Offensively. Since the All-Star break. Striking out like 25% of the time. So 25% K rate for TA. And the OPS is under 600. It's like 576 is the OPS, if I'm doing some quick math here, for Tim Anderson. Absolutely brutal offensively since the break and having a a very tough go. So we'll see if Lennon Sosa is here to just spell him uh, during a uh, suspension that's about to get upheld, which it probably will after the umpire bump. Is that really a question? Yeah, it is, Tony. It is. But uh, either way, the White Sox and T.A. scuffling big time. This is Barry in Deerfield on Hit and Run. Barry, thanks for calling. Good morning. You're on the score.
1: Hey, Matt. Matt, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you brought up uh, about covering Tim Anderson's uh, let, bad judgmental tagging and getting thrown out at third. Hmm. And then when the home run ball comes in, all these bad decisions get covered up. And I wish you would have exposed it and talked about it with Danny the next day. Because, you know, it gives people so much false hope when there's a home run or when when those kind of Band-Aids are put on a team that is so, on so many levels, has so many problems. And for anybody to get, you know, to get these false hopes that, well, we can get to the playoffs or we're in a division that we're only two games out of, and then to get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, and then to maybe build that on to next year on that false hope. Mm. I would rather have them just completely exposed at this point and find out what the root of this deep, deep problem is and just start again because you it, writing out some false hope on a home run ball and covering up really, really bad judgment from individual players and up through management, and you know what it is, and, you know, I, as an average fan, can see so many problems. So forget the home run ball, and please do your job, and you do a great job, but please expose this team and this organization on a daily basis, maybe to the point where something will finally give, because you know at the very top that man won't give and isn't budging and hasn't budged, but maybe somebody in lower <laughs> levels of management will finally Say or do something.
2: But, Barry, it is so frustrating. I hear you. No, I, I thank you for the call and the thoughts. I have so often on Sunday mornings, too. You, You guys know, if you've been listening, when I'm here, I have spent entire segments skewering them systemically, top to bottom, for not valuing fundamentals, for not valuing defense, for not teaching it, and for allowing, you know, coaches to... To, to to be here with loyalty and, and you know, I've done it and, and I'll do it again. And so many others will do it and have done it. So I understand, but I I just, I can't, I can't tilt at the windmill every single segment of every single radio show. And the truth is, and you hope this wasn't the plan, <laughs> but the truth is home runs do cover it up. And the truth is, dominant starting pitching with big power arms executing well can cover it up. And it's happened before. Were they the cleanest, best defensive team in 2005 when they won it? No. Did they have a bunch of pop that showed up at good times? Yes. Yes. Did they have incredibly dominant starting pitching that carried them through a postseason run in historic fashion? Yes. Is this team designed to have the same thing be possible when you get into the playoffs? Yes. And true question here, if they do manage to eke out this division and pass the Twins and Guardians, and they do get in, and if they do get in, And Dylan Cease is this guy. And, I don't know, let's say Michael Kopech finds a crazy, finds that crazy gear that we have seen at times, like the Sunday nighter, the Sunday night baseball game against the Yankees. You know, if we find that guy with Cease by the end of September. And Lance Lynn, who's been terrific his last couple, I mean, you know what, you hear, and I know it's crazy. I know these are Band-Aids. But baseball's short postseason can allow a front office sometimes and a fan base sometimes to believe they have a shot when they're not good enough. And you, if you're watching, Barry and Deerfield and others, and me, if I'm talking about it and I'm watching, I know they're not good enough. I know it. So I get where Barry's coming from. He wants the whole thing to fall apart and them not to eke their way into the playoffs and give themselves any false hope to next year. I understand that thought completely. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I think if you don't win a World Series, you don't get to a World Series. Even if you do eke out a division, and if you're a first round out or something like that, I think the consequences would be the same as of missing the division. They ought to be. But who, who the hell knows with this, this crazy franchise?
4: I don't
2: know. Stan is in Bellwood on 670 the score. Hello Stan, good morning. How are you?
4: Good, hello. good morning to you. Steve. how we doing, buddy?
2: I'm wonderful. Thank you.
4: <laughs> good. Hey, yeah, that call screener, uh find uh, find a place for him. Uh give him a weekday gig. <laughs> we'll good. see.
2: We'll see. He's a little young. <laughs> he's a little green, but uh he he well, was... he, he doesn't know he doesn't know he, he he's making 10 bucks this morning. I talked to the boss and that associate producer The 10-year-old Spiegel over there is going to make $10 for his work this morning. He's pretty excited
4: about it. Well, good. Good for him. Uh, Well, Steve, Sox frustration, huh? You think? (laughs) (laughs) Listen. Yeah, man. We are um, into August now, well past uh, 100 games into the season. Uh, You know, this is is the time of year where teams find their level. And uh, the White Sox, unfortunately for us, uh, are what their record says they are. They are mediocre, and it finally sunk in for me uh, at the deadline this past week. Uh, the White Sox virtual inactivity didn't bother me so much as there was no sense of urgency. That there, there didn't seem to be any motivation whatsoever. I mean, the Twins added a mid-rotation starter, a closer. They're taking the stretch run seriously. I don't get how White Sox management can just be happy with the status quo. So many good players, just like this past offseason, were moved. And the White Sox are not In the middle of it, they're they're a mediocre team, barely above 500. You know, we're talking about winning the division. Can we just get ahead of the the Guardians first? The White Sox are in third place. Mm -hmm. They're not in second place. They've got to leapfrog two teams in order to win the division. So, you know, the lack of motivation, I don't understand. And I – I just think now it's just time to realize that the White Sox are what their record says they are. I mean, they they can't beat the bottom feeders. Uh, the handwriting is on the wall. And, I, you know, it's just time to start believing what we see. You know, it's it's right there
2: in front of us. I wonder, Stan, if there was some of that internally at the deadline, and that explains some of the inactivity. Because it, it, sure, it sure sounded like it, as Rick Hahn addressed the media after And it sure has sounded like it when Steve Stone and others uh, have talked to us here on the score about it, that there is there has been some resignation of, well, if our guys don't show up and, 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 and hit the ball out of the park, we're not going to do anything because we're just not we're just not good enough. Like if there's some resignation well. to that internally, you know, I, it, it, it could in some ways explain the froze, the frozen and the, the inactivity.
4: Well, they need to, instead of being resigned to that fate, I heard that expression (laughs) somewhere. Uh, You know, stock management needs, they have to roll up their sleeves and get busy, you know. Make make a move, make two moves that puts blood in the urine of their competitors. <laughs> you know, I you be proactive. Yeah. You know, this resignation and you know just uh, watching and waiting on the sidelines to see how things unfold is just not going to cut it. Nah. I and mean, the White Sox have the what the ninth or tenth best record in the American League. Uh, They're just a game above 500. I mean, that's not the profile of a playoff team. So that should be their motivation right there. I I don't get it. And I don't think it's going to happen. You know, if they don't care, why should I?
2: Thank you, Stan. Appreciate the call. It's rough, man. It's turned, it's turned ugly fast. I, I remember years where things turn ugly for a team in the middle of a window. Um, I remember how ugly it turned in 2004 after the Cubs had gotten close in '03, And that, 2004 for the Cubs, that was one of the most uncomfortable and unlikable seasons for what had just been a very good team that I can recall. And this is approaching it, isn't it? You know, as, as, as you think about it on both sides of town. It's just, it's, it's, un, it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. I had hoped, by the way, that that trade deadline inactivity was maybe one last flashpoint, one last soft factor that could get this team to wake up and be themselves. Here we go. Wow. Front office doesn't believe in us. They didn't add anybody. Man, because we hear the inverse all the time, right? When a team does trade for more, trade for reinforcements, you hear the team say, you hear the ball players say, you know what, oh, it's good. They, they believe that we can win it. And they went out and they got us some help, like Atlanta last year and myriad other examples. Like, oh, yeah, they, they believe in us. It's great. So when this front office does nothing, you as a team ought to say, what the hell, man? What's going on? All right, it's us. Okay, it's us. Well, you know what, screw them. Screw them. And you can start pushing back a little bit. Say, "Oh, here we go! You don't believe in us? We'll show you." And then they won a couple games, and then they went to Texas and lost two or three. And now it feels like it does, and everybody got sad. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. See, and this is why I started with baseball, other than Cubs and Sox, because it's, it's it's a pretty, it's a nice game. It's a big sport. It's a big world out there. But I know, your frustrations need to be heard. And this is a good place to do it. It's Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel. Let's talk about the best player having the best year on either side of town. We'll do that in a moment on the score.
1: The premier baseball show in Chicago, Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. I
3: mean, I was joking, but what does this streak feel like right now? I mean, I think you've given up earned runs
2: in the last 76-inning pitch, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's – um definitely the best
0: i've ever pitched in my life um it's uh yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm happy about it i'm happy uh happy to be giving us a chance and, and uh i hope to keep it going
2: that is dylan cease and he's been awesome just flat out awesome And I find myself thinking about the National League Cy Young award voting in 2015 when Jake Arrieta eventually was just so damn good for such a long stretch where he was getting comped to Bob Gibson that you could not pretend that anybody else should win the Cy Young award in the National League. Did... Was Arietta an all-star in 2015? No. The answer is no. Dylan Cease is not an all-star here in 2022. But if he keeps going like this, if this stretch just keeps on going, then my goodness, there may be nothing a Cy Young voter can do but give him the award. 13th straight start, allowing one earned run or less. That is ridiculous. He became the first starting pitcher to accomplish this. Not an opener, okay, but a true starting pitcher. First starting pitcher to accomplish this since ERA even became an official stat in 1913. 13 straight starts with one earned run or less. He has allowed five earned runs over his last 76 innings pitched. But that stretch of every start, this is what it's about. This is what voters look at. I forget the exact numbers for Arrieta's Gibson-esque stretch in 15, but it was this many starts in a row with allowing fewer than this runs and also hits, and it might have been K's added in, but it was like, okay, well, he's Bob Gibson, then he's the Young award winner. I know Justin Verlander is a, a ridiculous old head, Nolan Ryan of his generation, multiple award winner, and he probably will win it again but if Cease just keeps doing this, they might just have to give it to him. He's twelve and four with a one point nine eight ERA. His slider is ridiculous. He is uh, the the obvious and most uh, tangible expression of modern pitching mantras, which is uh, what's your best pitch? Oh yeah, throw that one. Over his last eight starts. He's only thrown his fastball 35% of the time. He throws his slider 51% of the time over his last eight starts. 51%. That's your best pitch. Okay, I'll keep throwing it. Thank you. Good talk. And, And so he is, and just absolutely dominant. And it's not just stuff anymore with Dylan Cease. He's always been a high RPM spin rate guy, but he's doing more than just throwing his best stuff out there and not knowing where it's going or that kind of stuff. Here's Steve Stone on Inside the Clubhouse uh, yesterday morning with Bruce and David Hall talking about Dylan Cease.
3: He's become not only uh, a guy with great stuff, not only a young pitcher with a wonderful arm, he's become truly a pitcher, and he showed it last night because when you looked at what he did early, you thought, okay, well, the streak has got to end tonight because he gives up a run in the first inning, walks a couple of guys, walked a guy in the second inning. And uh, just didn't have that depth on the slider that he's had at other times. And then you realize that uh, this guy understands what he's doing. He understands how to correct it on the fly, which is something that younger pitchers can't usually do. And, and I think uh, I, I think when looking at him, I kind of marvel at what he's become. Now, a couple of years ago, I ran a follow of all of the geniuses on Twitter because I said that Dylan C said the best stuff on the staff that they have to be patient with him because this is a guy that can make a huge impact in the major leagues. And everybody was saying, well, they have to trade him. He can't go six innings. He can't do this. He can't do that. I think it's pretty easy for people to point out what other people can't do, not realizing that pitchers develop a little bit later than hitters.
2: Good stuff from Steve Stone. And pitchers do develop later than hitters, and it takes them a while to actually know what they're doing and harness their stuff and control it. Some great, great moments we've been allowed into over the past couple of years with Ethan Katz working with Dylan Cease about tipping, uh, about how to, uh, uh, how to really drive off the mound and get a little lower off the mound. And Cease mentioned an adjustment he made even just within this start, <laughs> you know, at that. He's, he's very thoughtful Um, And always has been, but now he's super knowledgeable. And my goodness, he's just absolutely dominant. Historic stretches get notice and get votes. So watch out, Verlander. Um, By the way, Dylan sees a 0.33 ERA in June, pitcher of the month. A 0.76 ERA in July, pitcher of the month. And off to a ridiculous start here in August. So... Good fun to watch him go. 12-4 and four with a 1.980 ERA. The, so all of it is jumping off the page. But we'll see if the stretch has the effect that Arrieta's did in 2015. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. In the 11 o'clock hour, we'll talk to Chris Kampka, my guy. We'll tie the room together Sultan of Staff from NBC Sports Chicago. We'll talk to Kyla McDaniel from ESPN about prospects the Cubs got and prospects the White Sox did not trade away, among others. Uh, but coming up next... Brooks Boyer and Colin Faulkner, the marketing bosses for the White Sox and the Cubs, on together next on The Score.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
1: now with the mlb app you can get baseball your way